You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamped for the second time, second week in a row, Seth Varnador. And, and am I saying that right, Seth? Is it Varnador? Varnador, yep, nailed yes. it. Seth Varnador. I was saying Varnador last week, so I apologize for that. That's I'm, all right. I'm the butcher. I've heard, of, I've, heard of, I've heard about five or six different pronunciations. Yours was pretty close, so I'm not too upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm used to people not saying my name correctly. So. Yeah, you, yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> Yeah, man, tough task this week going to Nayland Stadium here. Florida obviously did not have the uh, the best of games last week against USF as we thought. Um, Florida, we, we thought, was going to cover the spread. <laughs> Me and Seth yes. were both wrong there, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But uh, as I said, man, tough task. Nayland Stadium, 100,000 fans are going to be screaming in Anthony Richardson's ear every time he snaps a football. And of course, now we, we have to uh, worry about him not turning over the ball. At least maybe he can take care of it this game. But yeah, man, um, Tennessee, their their offense is is on fire right now. And, and Florida, they, they, they Tennessee seems like they're the most consistent. Florida, on the other hand, doesn't seem like they're the most consistent. But we'll break it down here with Seth Varnador. Now, Seth, you know, let's talk a little bit about this USF game and maybe what wrong went wrong in Florida. They gave up a lot of rushing yards. I believe it was 295 total. If you minus the negative plays, it's 286. What happened there uh, against uh, Florida and USF real quick? Yeah, I, so I thought there were a couple of things. I think, uh, and we talked about it a little bit last week as well, that USF had not really shown a lot of quarterback run. We, I think you and I both talked about it, and I said it might be something they break out, but I thought they may save it for the conference slate, but they were basically broke that thing out from the beginning. So I think early on, some of that was unexpected. You heard Napier say they gave them eight or 10 different looks that were kind of new. And that was true from somebody that watched them in the first two games. They didn't run the quarterback a ton. They didn't have that much read stuff in where they probably read Florida five or six different ways, at least Um, just even outside of just the design quarterback run game. There's probably five or six different ways they read Florida. And then, they really attacked Florida back into the boundary. Uh, I, I looked at it, I think it was about 70% or more of their runs were back into the boundary. So they kept wearing out the short side of the field. I think some of that is who's Florida's personnel back into the boundary a lot, yeah. making reading, making those guys take on blocks and, and read it and see it. And then I think some of it was they use USF also used a ton of motion and Florida's young, the, you know, the younger guys at linebacker, uh, I think the linebackers had trouble communicating what was happening and changing their responsibilities with the motion. Some guys just leave stuff on with motion regardless, but it looked a few times like Florida was supposed to change when with the motion and one guy would just do what he was supposed to do before the motion happened and the other guy would change and they'd be doing the same thing. So some of that was a communication issue, which, you know, no Vintron Miller, that, that probably leads to some of that, but, yeah, it, it was a, a mix, I think, of a good game plan from USF and then poor, a poor job by Florida just kind of playing and executing their own scheme. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before we got into the preview last week, we did we did allude to USF having a pretty good offensive line, not allowing many quarterback pressures, not allowing any sacks whatsoever. I don't think that even happened last game either. No, uh, you didn't really see Florida's defensive line get any pressure or any contact until the fourth quarter when they needed it. You saw Brenton Cox kind of all over the field there towards the end. But, uh, man, just a... Uh, 
I will, I'll say it, it was a performance that we didn't expect. It's a performance we were hoping that Anthony Richardson could get it, you know, get in there, get some confidence, throw in the football, which at the beginning of the game, it looked pretty well. He, he was putting less heat on the ball, being a little bit more accurate, and then it kind of just fell apart there, especially for the Florida defense. Um, but as I said, going in here next week to Nayland Stadium and, uh, you know, Florida's going to have to uh, fix some of these things. And passing-wise, man, as, as, as I said at the beginning of the program, Tennessee lighting up teams. <laughs> Granted, they haven't played the best of the opponents. Akron, Ball State really don't have any great statistics. I think they rank in the hundreds statistically in just about a lot of categories here. And Florida, you know, seemingly they really haven't given up any explosive Pass plays, except for one against Kentucky, I believe it was a 55-yarder for a touchdown. And then Amari Bernie gave up one for about 37 yards there. I think it was more, af- more yards after the catch there on that one. But basically, if you go down and you look at statistically, for every player, they really haven't given up any big explosives besides that. Uh, Seth, from what you've seen so far from this Florida defense in the backfield, and you know how Tennessee's chucking the ball all over the place, how does how did we fend off that Tennessee passing attack? Well, I, it's gonna it, it really what that offense likes to do is they like to spread you so wide and attack so vertically that even if you're playing zone stuff becomes if you get deep enough and against any zone defense it becomes one on one eventually. Yeah. So what they like to do is spread you out if you're gonna stay in too high safety. So I watched a little bit of them against Pittsburgh. And they love playing two. That's Narduzzi loves playing two high safeties and playing quarters coverage. Um, that's kind of what he's known for. So they they just split those guys out wide. You'll see almost two guys um, on top of the numbers almost, or a guy on top of the numbers and somebody further even closer to the sideline. So really spread out. So they put your safeties in a bind. And I think the underrated part of Heupel's offense, going back to his time at UCF, is – they were really good at running the ball. I don't think this Tennessee team is quite as good um, as some of his teams at UCF in the past, but they were really good at running the ball and really making you pay if you did spread out the box and didn't try to move linebackers out of the box to cover up those receivers to give your safeties help. So that's kind of – it's a little bit of a pick-your-poison, but when he was at UCF, teams that could stop the run had success against them. There's gonna, You're going to have to do some interesting things defensively. You can't. I don't think you can show them static looks because – you got an experienced quarterback and you've got guys that can play at receiver. So if you kind of give them static looks, they'll pick it apart. So you're going to have to do some moving on defense, disguise your coverages probably. And I think the good thing for Florida, or if there is a good thing for facing this offense or something that's maybe easier than last week is so far this year, I got a great stat from uh, Bud Davis. If you don't follow Bud on Twitter, you got to oh, yeah. follow him. Bud's a good uh, man. He, He's, he's awesome. And so I was asking him, how much is Tennessee motion? Because I thought USF's motion gave Florida a ton of fits in that game. And he said uh, Tennessee's only motion about 10% of snaps, which is really low. I think the national average is like 22%. So only they're not motioning a ton. They'll do it a little bit. But for your younger guys, that gives you a chance to kind of see what they're in, understand what your assignment is, and it may not change after that, right? So hopefully those guys can play a little faster, a little more confident. But it's it's the the challenge is going to be can your can your guys win one on one against the Tennessee receivers? If you can, then you can slow them down. Pitt has some success, but they also had success getting to the pass passer with four and 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 sometimes an occasional fifth. So you're going to have to mix things up on defense. But I think it will really boil down to those one on ones in the passing game. 
Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, Tillman, he'll be uh, he's day to day. We don't know if he's actually going to play for Tennessee or not. And then you got one guy suspended. I believe it's Callaway for punching an Akron player in the helmet, which makes no sense because that's not going to hurt him anyway. So he gets suspended for half a game. I'm pretty sure if the opponent wasn't Florida, he'd be suspended a whole game. But now he only gets a half a game. So we'll see him. If they're playing Akron again this week, he'd miss the full game, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so we'll see him in the second half. And Florida, if you look at the statistics, especially in the third quarter, Florida hasn't been that great coming back out of the gate. I don't know what the story is with that. Uh, they averaged zero points in the third quarter <laughs> through three games. So uh, that's not a good stat to have. Um, but as I said, it will be a tall task for Jason Marshall, Avery Helm, Jalen Kimber, some of those guys back there. Um, but, you know, obviously, the, you know, we don't know if we get a healthy 100% Tillman, even if he does play or not. But either way, uh, Hennon Hooker, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, you look at his completion rating through uh, Virginia Tech, and then you go to Tennessee. He, he's been a consistent guy. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He hasn't thrown any interceptions so far this year. I believe his completion rating is around 69 or so, which is insane. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough for the defense, and they're going to be on their heels. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's not mainly a running attack um but so far they've only averaged giving up 83.3 yards rushing on defense when they go to rushing granted uh, of course they haven't played the best teams Akron only averages like 28.5 yards rushing per game Ball State Pitt I mean these teams aren't known for the run game uh, especially Pitt they're more you know mainly a passing team from from what I've seen but they they have two great linebackers Aaron Beasley Jeremy Banks who've both totaled 18 total tackles uh 53 or so, I guess, of the team's total tackles has resulted in stops, tackles for loss, or failures for the opposing team, which is about 75% of the 71 tackles, which is pretty much insane. Uh, 23 of the 71 uh, tackles here have came in run defense. So that means some of those tackles could have been missed and someone else gets an assisted tackle for loss, whatever. Uh, but uh, I did notice this stat when I looked it up that, that those 23 missed tackles all came in run defense. And I think they had, I think they're 13th right now in total missed tackles in the SEC. So that'll help Florida out a little bit, especially, you know, with the, the running game that they have. They're going to have to create holes there, uh, you know, especially there with that offensive line, which, which it seems like they haven't had trouble doing that, you know. When you, when you compare it all and you break it all down, um, Florida's set up pretty well for the run game. Is there any, um, I, I mean, it may be a moot question to ask, but is there any way that Florida can really just pound the football on this Tennessee attack and uh, you know, maybe keep their offense off the field? Yeah, I think that's going to be key, right, is, is holding the ball. You're almost going to have to do kind of what USF did to you last week and kind of hold the ball. Um, keep the offense off the field. Florida only ran 48 plays last week. If you limit Tennessee to that kind of number, you probably had a really good chance to win the game, right, uh, with how many plays they get off. So I don't think that's likely. But, I, yeah, I, I think Florida will be able to run the ball. Pitt ran for – I think Pitt ran for over 100 yards. It might have been 140 on Tennessee. They broke a couple big runs with with kind of a wide zone scheme. They had some RPO stuff going too, but they were able to hit a couple big runs on Tennessee. Uh, so I, I think Florida, there, there's not going to be many teams. I don't think that Florida's not going to be able to run on. Um, there's going to be a few, but for the most part, I mean, you even a, a stout Kentucky defense. I think your backs all averaged over your backs average five yards a carry. So I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Tennessee. It's it's going to be, and this I think will be the challenge going forward for Florida 
is can you get enough in the passing game to keep teams from loading up the box? Because you're not real explosive at receiver. So I don't think a lot of teams are going to be really scared to play you man coverage on the outside unless you start hitting some shots over the top. They hit one to shorter last week and made a great play on the ball. But you got to hit a couple of those to loosen people up a little bit. Because otherwise, if I'm a defensive coordinator watching Florida, okay, these guys aren't going to beat me deep on the outside. I've got good athletes. I'm in the SEC. Let's play man out there. Let's load up the box and try to stop the run and attack the bootlegs and things like that with pressures off the edge and then make them beat me throwing the ball. So I think you need to have a semblance of a passing game to protect your running game, and that's going to be something for Florida going forward that they've got to be able to throw the ball more effectively than they have, and I think that's (laughs) really obvious, right? But just – it also just in terms of protecting your running game from people just totally loading up the box against you is kind of really the important part of it. Because if you don't, if you can't get anything going in the passing game, you're going to start seeing some really loaded boxes and it's going to make it really, really difficult on you to move the ball. Yeah. And that's with any team, any team that loads the box like that, it's going to be kind of hard to run. And, and unless you, you, you move some tight ends in there to try to block for you as well, it's going to be a rough one. And uh, the good news is though, Tennessee's 88th in pass defense, they're giving up an average of 261 per game. So that, that bodes a little bit well for Florida, but it seems like Florida's issue is sort of the decisions of Anthony Richardson. Obviously, he's throwing, can't be throwing pick sixes or anything like that. But uh, it's more of the inaccuracies from the quarterback. Um, As I said, in the USF game, I did see that he took a little bit of heat off the ball on some of the plays, which is actually good to see. Hopefully, he he does a little bit more of that. He seems to want to throw it 100 miles an hour every time he touches the ball. Um, But as far as that goes, uh, you know, Florida, I've noticed that that, you know, Tennessee, obviously, in that pit game, there were some breakdowns back there. Where can Florida, you know, if Anthony Richardson is accurate with this football and maybe he can still use his legs? We don't know yet. We don't know how that game plan is going to go. What do you think Florida could take advantage of Tennessee maybe in this passing game in the backfield? Well, it, it, watching Pitt, it looked like Pitt had some success with RPOs and, th- and things like that. With uh, and so, if Florida's going to be oh, effective running, if yeah, if Florida's going to be effective running the ball, that should be helpful to kind of hit that thing. If those, if you're going to get those backers playing hard for run, well, that should open up some windows for RPOs and things like that. You know, going back to the USF game, and and Coach Napier mentioned in his press conference kind of the lack of precision from the receivers. And, and there is some, or he said, lack of precision in the passing game. I think some of that is obviously Richardson's kind of inaccurate inaccuracies and accuracy issues. But some of it was also there were times where you know USF's in the zone and a receiver should be settling down in the zone and, and, and hooking up, and he keeps running through. And now Richardson's got to throw it to a guy that's covered. Um, there's times where I think the, the receiver's got to read, and he interprets it as I need to break out, and Richardson interprets it as I need to hook up here. And Richardson throws the hook, and he runs the out. So there, there's some of that, and and that's why I think why you may have heard Richardson say that he's getting with the receivers and they're watching more film because they may not be seeing it the same way right now. Um, and that'll help, too. If you can kind of get on the same page with those kind of things, that'll help him give him some easier throws. But there's no doubt he's had a few that he should have let rip and he didn't throw. He's had a few that were open and he missed. So there's obviously some things to clean up there. But um, going back to your question, I think if you can kind of get the run game going and get the RPO stuff going, 
there's opportunities to make plays and he's shown in the past that he's pretty good on those on those throws when he has the opportunity so i, I think that may be something to see uh but you know it, it'll kind of depend on how tennessee wants to play florida's run game yeah I, I, i'm obviously expecting them to load the box right at the beginning of the I game think, is, yeah. do you do you, <laughs> this is this is an opinion and a question that i have do you try a flea flicker do you try a play action deep right at the beginning of the game if they're loading that box Hey man, let's uh, can Henderson throw? Give him one of those jet sweeps and let him throw it. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll never. I mean, you can. I mean, I think this is a game where, um, you know, it's a, especially if you have any aspirations of winning the division. This is a game you kind of got to pull out all the stops for. Uh, you're already on one in the division, so you can't really afford another loss. Uh, you may not even be able to afford one, right? But uh, you can't afford another one for sure. So, you know, maybe you see more Richardson in the run game because they got to have it. Maybe you see more, uh, maybe you see some trick stuff. Maybe you see some different looks that are, are kind of unique. They've done kind of unique things every game in terms of formations and and, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think this is the week to break out some stuff, especially if your offense is stagnating. Try something different. Um, one thing I would, I would be interested to see if they do, which I, I, I don't know how much Napier's done this in the past, but you know, if, if the, if you want to put your best 11 on the field on offense, you probably need two running backs out there. Right. So, uh, and probably Montreal Johnson and ETN, right. There's probably the oh, two, yeah. but, um, I, I think that w- it'll be interesting to see if he kind of goes different personnel wise, cause that you could get a spark that way, you know, instead of throwing these passes in the flat to a tight end. Now you're throwing it to Montreal Johnson in the flat off a fake to ETN. So there's things like that you can do where you can run the same stuff, but maybe a difference in personnel too would would, would help. I, I just think if your best 11 includes two backs right now. Yeah, and I've noticed just looking at their defensive numbers right now that they've actually given up quite a bit of uh, yards after catch on coverage. They've given up 422 yards after the catch uh is 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 it safe to say if they're not loading the box and especially if you've got a struggling quarterback out there you want to give him some easy throws do you i mean obviously we've seen good we we actually saw some good play from Keon zipper last week and um obviously the tight end position for florida hasn't been the best this uh this coming year but uh do you expect them to maybe throw some slants if they're not loading the box and maybe give some richardson some easy throws maybe get some yards after the catch here yeah, I would think that's, you know, even um, even if they're not loading up the box with the safeties, even if the safeties are playing deep, you can still kind of run that RPO stuff off those linebackers. right? If they start filling, because I'd imagine even if the box isn't loaded, I would imagine the linebacker is going to be filling pretty hard for a run early. That's where you can hit one of those slants behind them or hit, you know, Florida does a lot of end breakers. They haven't been completing the time, but you got opportunities to hit guys over the middle with digs and then – uh, they like uh, the New England, New England Patriots concept that, or the, a concept the Patriots made really famous, uh, Hoss Juke, where you're you got a receiver in the slot and he can kind of hook up, or somebody comes to match and he can take off, and that's kind of a catch and run opportunity. So they've got some, they showed some stuff the first three weeks that if they can hit it, though guys will have opportunities to make run after catch. Uh, it's just now you know you got to get those looks and then you got to you got to make the throws, but I I think the opportunities will be there. Yeah, that that means pass it to Persall in the slot there. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, never a bad idea. Yeah. No, no, that Persall's a pretty quick player. Um, 
So anyway, we, we've talked a little bit about of maybe some of what the advantages and disadvantages are that Florida is going to face. Um, how do you see this game going? Like if you were a game planner and you were a coach right now, say Florida takes the field and it's the first drive, what do you do on that first drive? Yeah, I think you want to come out early and, and try to establish uh, a rhythm. And I, I think using your – I always loved when I was calling plays, I always loved to use motion early because it can give you a look at how they're going to play multiple formations. So I love coming out, showing some motion, um, you know, get something that probably, you know, throw the ball early, get the ball out of his hands quick, some easy throws. I mean, this is all kind of general stuff, but I think motion is helpful early. Um, you know, it's not, not bad, you know, depending on how, when you get the ball, where you get the ball, um, if Tennessee's kind of jacked up and you think they're going to be had their ears pinned back, you can start with the game with the screen. I mean, then those are easy throws to your back um, instead of throwing them out wide to your receiver. You know, there, there's things you can do kind of depending on where you get the ball. But uh, I love seeing motion early personally because it gives you good looks and you get good information early in the game, which obviously you want to come out and score on your first drive. But the next most important thing to me was always getting information on how are they playing us? How are they going to play these different formations? So, as much as you can get that early, I think you go do it. Um, would love to see different personnel groupings on the first drive, mix it up a little bit. I think last week they came out in 12 for a majority of the start of the game and just stayed in 12. It seemed like they were committed to two tight ends, pounding the ball down USF's throat. Would love to see 12, 11, maybe two backs, one tight end, two backs, no tight ends. Would love, would love to just see some, some mix it up a little bit here. Uh, get Richardson some easy throws. And then if you get good field position early, take a shot. Why not? Right. You're on the road, get the crowd out of it. If you can get on top early. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of what I think going through, but I haven't watched uh, enough of Tennessee's defense to give a really educated opinion, but just as a general sense um, in terms of play call. And that's what I always kind of like to do is, is get as much information as possible early. Yeah, well, they, they need to do some some quick throws or something to start yeah. in the game because uh, Tennessee's had eight sacks and uh, forty quarterback hurries. Now they have. I think the they're going to be. Game. I think they're going to be excited. I think they're going to be a little excited, a little tuned up. That's why maybe you see you know slip the back out with a screen, let those guys rush as hard as they want, and just easy throw over their head, um, something like that. But yeah, they're going to be tuned up and they're going to be ready to roll. Yeah, that's right. I, I expect uh, Tennessee to be coming full force after Richardson or that run game in the first yeah. drive. So, yeah, they're, they're, Florida's going to have to actually look out for that one. Uh, Seth, well, thank you for uh, you know at least coming on. Give us a little bit of uh, a detail of Tennessee, kind of what happened with uh, USF last week and where Florida can improve here. Um, I'm not going to get mad at you if you predict uh, against Florida your final score for the game, and, and I'll give mine too because I'm picking Tennessee as well. What you got? Yeah, I'm, I'll uh, I'll sit with uh, let's go like 35-24 in favor of Tennessee. I think this is a game Florida can win. It's not a game that I would say Florida is definitely definitely cannot win this game. I think there's if you go back and watch the Pitt game, Pitt probably should have won that game. They missed two field goals in re- regulation and went to overtime. Um, they had chances to win, and Pitt played them pretty well. So I think Pitt gave you a little bit of a blueprint on on, on kind of how to play this Tennessee team a little bit. If you can go out and execute, I think you can win. But there just hasn't been enough consistency from Florida this year to feel like they're going to go on the road and win a game against a team that's it's pretty hot to start the season. So I, I'd roll with Tennessee, um, but 
you know, I, I I think this is a game Florida can win. It's not like they're they have no chance, even though they're double digit underdogs. Yeah, I'm kind of rolling with the 38 to 20, uh, the 2012 score, except for in Tennessee's favor. No. But I'm hoping it's in our favor by the end of the game. But, hey, my birthday's no. this weekend. I need a good birthday yeah, present. There so. you go. <laughs> that would be a good one. That'd be yeah. that'd be a good one. But yeah. I'll roll with that. I, you know, and it's, you know, as you said, you go with that pick game. And Pitt really doesn't have really good defensive numbers when I've looked at it. Um, you know, and I think, it, as you said, it took Tennessee to overtime to beat Pitt. Maybe that's maybe a little bit of encouragement for Florida. But as I said, Florida's defense actually has not been looking too great either. No. Their, their backfield defense decent pretty good i mean they've given up an explosive back there but nobody's really tried to really toss it deep on them either they they've been kind of going through the middle on them so as i said it'll be interesting to see the matchup between the dbs and 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 hooker and seeing if he can toss it over some of their heads even with those receivers one maybe being hurt one being out for the first half so if florida's really going to take advantage of this game especially uh on tennessee's offense whenever they do get on the field it, it should be that first half with some of those receivers out now brew mccoy he's a pretty good receiver too a five-star guy you know coming out of high school i believe he transferred from uh usc wasn't it, mm-hmm. it was usc yeah. yeah so uh you know it, it you know if you if you do something like that you want it to be the first half but uh we'll see how the whole game goes uh as i said you know uh florida's gonna have a tougher task in the second half and they haven't been too great in the second half so <laughs> wow. let's hope that florida if they do have a lead going into halftime they can claim the lead towards the end of the game and hopefully get out of there with a victory so seth thank you for joining me on getting swamped once again i love to get your uh your insight no and, and and from a coach's standpoint and all of that so uh what you got coming up for us, Seth? I mean, on your YouTube channel, Alligator Army. What you got? Yeah, I just put out late last night. I put out my, my kind of my video review of the USF game, and then there's a a small written piece along with that on Alligator Army. Uh, Friday, I'll have a Tennessee preview with some video. Probably, um, I'm just in the process of getting that cut up. So I've, I've watched a little bit, like we we talked about, but uh, should have a little bit better grasp on them at least defensively I, I think i have a pretty good idea what they want to do offensively but that'll be coming out friday um so that'll be at alligator army with a small write-up and a video component as well so good if you want to get a good preview for how tennessee runs their schemes or something like that and you're not doing anything on a friday night grab you a beer or something kick back watch that barn door break it we'll all keep it yeah we'll keep it short if you want a really long one i've got i've got one on, on my channel varnador films uh I've got probably an hour of Hypel's offense at UCF, which is pretty similar. So if you really want to dig in, uh, you can go check that out in the old archives of Varnador Films on YouTube. But uh, if you want something a little bit shorter, 15, 20 minutes, that'll come out Friday. There you go. Varnador Films on YouTube. Seth, thank you for joining me on Getting Swamped Again. Hey, thanks for having me. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Woodcarving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Woodcarving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. Oh, man, it's going to be a tough one for the Florida Gators this week when they walk into a hostile environment here in Nayland Stadium. But hopefully they can pull off the victory. But you don't have to worry about pulling off a victory yourself 
when you join prizepicks.com right now with promo code SWAMP. Join prizepicks right now with promo code SWAMP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks offers any sport you can think of, like golf, MMA, esports, soccer, NBA, NFL, college football, you name it. Boxing, too, if you love boxing and, and watching people get punched in the face. Prize Picks has it all for you folks. You can even mix up your fantasy leagues here. You can pick your favorite boxer, your favorite UFC fighter, your favorite esports player, and your favorite college football player all in one draft. Prize Picks is rated 4.8 stars out of 5 on every platform. Join Prize Picks right now with promo code SWAPD and you will double your money on your first deposit up to $100. PrizePicks.com. Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, that was Seth Varnador here once again, giving us a breakdown of some of the formations and some of the things that Tennessee likes to do. Of course, he said on his YouTube channel on Friday, he will have a uh, further breakdown there. Tennessee, but man, uh, just running statistics here, and I'm going to give out a, a, a few of these statistics, some of them that jump out to me a little bit now. Opponent first downs per game that Tennessee's giving up nationally. These are national stats here. They are 58th in giving up 20.3 first downs per game, so that's actually pretty good, considering, you know, obviously a, uh, a struggling defense there, that 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 helps a little bit. Now, opponent yards per game they're giving up is a total of 345, which is ranked 41st nationally. Uh, actually, that's that's a lot of yards to give up per game. I'm not going to say it's like a ton of yards. I, I think I've seen teams with like four or 500 and plus. It's probably us too. I haven't even looked that stat up for us. So, I mean, th- there's opportunity there defensively for Florida. Opponent plays per game. Now, this one jumped out to me, but then I thought about it a little bit, and I said it kind of makes sense. They've gave up 76.3 plays per game on average, which ranks 105th in the nation now. You know, they did go into that overtime game with Pitt. Uh, They do score fast, so the other team does get a lot more plays than they do as well. So I thought that jumped out to me a little bit, but then I was like, "Eh, you know, you got to factor in a lot of things into that. So it's kind of uh, maybe one of those stats that maybe you kind of don't really need to look much into. Now, fumbles per game. This was one that I had to do some research on. Fumbles per game. Tennessee is averaging 1.7 fumbles per game, which is 95th in the nation. So I did a little research, and most of their fumbles have been in the run game. They've fumbled five times in three games. So if you're Florida, if you you know, you know reach Hooker, obviously you're going to try to sack, sack him. But if he hands it off to those running backs... Punch that football out. Try to rip something out of there, man. They, they have a little bit of a case of the butterfingers for the past three games. So that's a stat that I looked at that I was like, wow, they they fumble the ball a lot. I did not notice that. So it's a good one there, uh, you know, if you're looking at it uh, for, for Florida there. Now, they're 77th in fumbles lost per game. So uh, that they lose one fumble per game. So obviously, you fumble the ball, you got to jump back on it to recover it. So they're really not recovering most of the fumbles that they cause. So that's a good sign right there. Penalties per game is something that also jumped out to me about Tennessee. They are 102nd in penalties per game, and they average eight penalties per game. So if I'm Florida, 
obviously, as some of those penalties are on Tennessee, uh, depending on whether it's offense or defense, I didn't do the research on that. But if I'm Florida, I'm trying to get Tennessee to jump on offense or something like that because they are just terrible in penalties per game here. Now, penalty yards per game, they've given up 78.7. That's 117. So that's a lot of 15-yard penalties. Probably some pass interference calls and uh, maybe some unsportsmanlike. I know he uh, one of the players punched an Akron player last week, so that adds to that penalty yards per game there. But, uh, yeah, man, just it's some other things I guess we could take advantage of. Tennessee there interceptions per game uh they're only it, it's averaged out to one but I mean they could have probably threw two one game and then threw zero the next um actually never mind that's for the opponent so they're 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 averaging one interception per game I was about to say because I don't think Hennon Hooker's thrown any interceptions that kind of confused me so far when I looked at it so there you go that they're 35th of the nation right there so that's actually pretty good I mean I'm not gonna lie there uh, turnover margin per game they're plus one so that's 22nd there. Uh, I think they're plus three. Well, obviously, yeah, they played they played three games, so that's plus three for the for the year. Uh, defensive points per game allowed. They've only allowed 14.3. Obviously, they played Akron and Ball State, but I mean their defensive backfield. If you've seen them on film, that the defensive backfield is not that good, to be honest. It's just the the, the the teams that Tennessee has played, Akron, Ball State. They're just not that good. Now, opponent pass attempts per game is 44, which is ranked 126th in the nation. So they're allowing, you know, opponents to pass 44 times per game, but obviously as you could you know, as I said earlier, their offense scores pretty quick. So I mean, there's going to be more attempts from the other team and uh maybe that's a stat you kind of just throw out the window there. Opponent red zone scoring attempts per game. So this is how many teams get in the red zone on Tennessee every single game. So it's a, it's on average to be 3.3. And as I said, you know, they haven't they haven't played good teams. Akron's a terrible team. They're probably ranked one of the worst teams in the FBS and probably Ball State too. And they're still 56th, so they're a little bit above that top 50 in the nation at 3.3. So uh, it bodes well for Florida, I guess, uh, getting to the red zone according to their defense. But uh, as I said, uh, Richardson, he, he's going to have to play better. And uh, obviously, we, I think we're going to be able to run the football. So I, I'll get to this stat real quick. So Tennessee's rushing yards per game, only 182.3, which actually that's still good. They're 44th. And Florida's missing a lot of tackles here lately, especially in the run game defense, which uh, I'll get into, too. They're 12th in the SEC right now. Uh, but luckily for Florida, Tennessee's 13th in run defense and missing tackles. So, uh, yeah, they're about even there. So rushing yards per game, that kind of worries me a little bit. But at the same time, as I said, their they're running backs are fumbling pretty pretty well. So even if they do squeeze off a 5 or 6 or even 10-yarder, try to, when you tackle them, try to throw a fist in there or something. So maybe they drop a football. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how the run defense goes against Tennessee. Sacks per game, Tennessee is 30th in the nation. They're averaging 2.7 sacks per game. As I said, their sack numbers and their pressure numbers and their pass rush are pretty good. I mean, they, they've had eight sacks for the year, 40 total quarterback hurries, which is insane. But at the same time, as I said, hasn't faced the best teams in, in, in actual pass rush defense either. So you got to kind of look at that stat too. But still something to look out for. I mean, I mean Tennessee, they've been pretty consistent against the opponents that they should beat. Florida has not. So that's why a lot of people are picking Tennessee over Florida. That's why I'm picking Tennessee over Florida because it is a prove-it game to me. You have to prove that you can beat a team that actually is better than you. I mean, you did that against Utah 
but you got to show me that you can put together a complete game. I want to see no turnovers from this team. I haven't seen one game where they haven't had one turnover. I mean, you go back to that Utah game, Montreal Johnson fumbles the ball over to Utah, and obviously you know about the picks from Richardson. Um, I want to see a clean game. I want to see a clean game from this offense, and I want to see the defense cause some turnovers. And actually, Florida right now in turnover ratio is right at zero because of Anthony Richardson's interceptions. If he can clean that up, I mean, Florida would probably be sitting here plus three, maybe. Maybe even more than that. I don't know. But that's they. I think Florida has had a turnover every single game. Yeah, they've had a turnover. They've caused a turnover every single game. So, you know, at least we're starting to see Florida get some point or to get some turnovers. We didn't see a lot of that last year. We didn't see a lot of that the year before. So, definitely a bright spot for Florida's defense, at least causing turnovers wise. Now, Tennessee is only giving up an average of eighty three point three rushing yards per game. So. I did a little research on Tennessee's opponent stats, and uh, Akron is 129th in rushing in the nation. They only average 28.5 yards rushing. That just goes to show you how bad Akron is. Ball State, they're 93rd in rushing, only averaging 115 rush yards per game. And Pitt is 69th in rushing offense, only averaging 152.7 rush yards per game. So you could kind of look at that stat, then look at these teams and say, eh, Maybe that's a little bit, you know, suspect there. I can't really say suspect, but uh, I mean, they've been doing their job against inferior teams, which we haven't. I mean, I'm pretty sure Tennessee could have held USF to less rushing guards than we did. So you got to kind of factor that in, too. But I do think Florida will be able to run the football on this team. Uh, they got two great running backs, as we know, Montrell Johnson, ETN, and the offensive line has been playing pretty well in the run game. Another stat I looked at that jumped out to me was Tennessee's, this is the the defensive stats for Tennessee. They've had 34 total missed tackles in three games, as I alluded to earlier, 13th in the SEC. They're almost dead last in missed tackles in three games. 11.3 missed tackles per game, 67.6% is in run defense. 23 missed tackles in run defense. So if I'm Florida, and you get to the second level, especially if you're Montrell Johnson, a guy that's hard to take down, could be trouble for Tennessee's defense. Another stat that jumped out to me pretty well, and it's actually pretty high, Tennessee's given up 766 passing yards in coverage. When they were targeted, they were giving up yardage 68.1% of the time in coverage. 55% of the passing yards were after the catch, which they gave up. 422 total yards after the catch, which is a another stat that is not good for a defense, especially in the backfield. Their defense has only had five total pass breakups in three games with three interceptions, which is good, but only five pass breakups. Uh, that means when the ball is being thrown towards the backfield on Tennessee's defense, it was either inaccurately thrown or over somebody's head. And when it was contested, they've only had five total pass breakups. So that's a pretty bad stat right there. Uh, as far as pass rush goes, as I said, eight sacks, 40 quarterback hurries. Ouch. That's something to look out for towards Tennessee, uh, especially if they're going to stack the box there at the beginning of the game, as we talked about. Uh, Tennessee special teams, only 103 total yards on kick returns on five attempts, 30 yards on punt returns for four attempts. So really nothing that jumps out to you. Probably no guys that are threats on special teams. Of course, now Florida is going to have to still cover when, if they do attempt a uh, return kick or punt return, but nothing that really jumps out to you. So that's a 
pretty good thing to see. Our special teams is actually a little bit better than Tennessee's special teams when you look at it. So uh, if you're if you're one of those Florida guys that you know is really worried about this game, hopefully some of these statistics actually stick out to you a little bit. It makes you feel a little bit better. Obviously, uh, I, I still. You know, I need to see more consistent play from this offense. I need to see more consistent play from the defense too. Uh, but you know, looking at it statistically, there's there's things that Florida can take advantage of here if they can execute at a high level. Now, Tennessee as a team rushing has a total of 585 yards, averaging 4.9 yards per rush for 12 touchdowns. But as I said, they fumbled the ball five times. 62% of their rushing yards came after contact. 363 of those, uh, what was it, 585 yards half came after contact. And as a team, they've averaged 3.03 yards per rush after contact. And as I said, they miss a lot of tackles and run defense, but they have forced 29 missed tackles running the football as well. And you notice last week we <laughs> didn't have a lot of success against the USF's run game. They also have a total of 15 runs of 10-plus yards or more. And get this, as a team, they have 15 runs of 10-plus yards or more. Montreal Johnson has nine just by himself <laughs> of 10-plus yards himself so uh that's uh that that whole team he's pretty much got that whole team's uh 10 plus yard or more average there so uh, a pretty good stat to see there now you add etn in there it obviously you know overtakes that stat that tennessee has there their leading rusher jalen wright 231 total rushing yards averaging 5.1 yards per rush for three touchdowns it fumbled the ball twice so far this year but he, he's averaged 3.45 yards after contact and has forced nine missed tackles. So if you're looking for a running back to look out for, uh, Jalen Wright would be one of those guys. Now let's go to the big part quarterback for Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. One of the most consistent quarterbacks I've seen probably in a while, uh, especially, I guess, over the years. He has a total of 844 yards passing, a 69.4% completion rating. He's averaging 9.9 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and his average time to throw is 2.5 seconds, which I said if your average time to throw is between 2.5, 2.7, and you're pretty productive throwing the football, you're probably a really good quarterback, and that's what he is right now. Now, as I said, they haven't played the toughest defenses yet, but that's still good statistics, and especially when you run down his statistics for the past four years. Let's do this real quick. So looking at his statistics from when he was at Virginia Tech in Tennessee, he has had not one year where he's had a completion rating under 60%. His lowest was at 60.7%. That was his first year at Virginia Tech. His second year, he upped it to 63 In 2021, in Tennessee, when he transferred, he upped it to 681 and in 2022, he upped it again to 69.4. So he's gradually gotten better as the years have progressed. Uh, overall, career-wise, he's averaged at a 65.5 percent completion rating and total passing yards, 6,580 with a yards per attempt at 9.5. So he stayed pretty consistent. 58 total touchdowns, 31 of those touchdowns coming off of last year and only 10 interceptions. So that is a fantastic touchdown <laughs> interception ratio. Uh, he might even be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC 
right now, just looking at uh, from a consistency standpoint and passing yards and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, man, that is um, <laughs> some hefty numbers to look at there. And if you want to go back and look at his total first downs his whole career, 289 total first downs. Last year, 133 of those came at Tennessee. So <laughs> I, I don't care what the uh, the, the numbers say, uh, but um, that's just insanely good. Now, I, I will look at his sack numbers. Now, at Tennessee last year, he was sacked 41 times. So far this year, six, according to Pro Football Focus. So... He does get pressured a lot, so that that offensive line for Tennessee, I, I guess, does give up some pressure. So if I'm Florida, and I know Hennon Hooker's a dual-threat quarterback, I am trying to get pressure. I'm trying to get him off of his game to where he cannot throw a football accurately, maybe have to throw off his back foot, and hopefully we can get a, uh, a an interception or at least an inaccurate throw for an incompletion. So now let's look at his throwing tendencies. Now, when he throws on the left side of the field, he's 12 for 17 for 166 yards, which is about 70, 70.5% there on the left side of the field. The middle of the field, he's 18 for 28 for 262 yards, a 64.2% completion rating in the middle of the field between the numbers there. Now, this is the right side of the field where he's had most of his success 29 for 39, 466 yards, a 74.3% completion rating when he's throwing to the right side of the field. So it looks like for me, they've had the most success on the right side of that field throwing the football. So if I'm Florida, I'm trying to at least protect that right side. Now it depends on where these receivers, and of course everybody else is lining up there, but uh, as far as his throwing tendencies there, uh, yeah, the right side of the field's where he's been the most successful now. With throws of 20-plus yards or more, he's only 7 for 19, which is only 36.8%. And uh, he's only had 288 yards for four touchdowns. So, I mean, it, it, I, I get it. It's harder to throw <laughs> he past 20-plus yards or more. But at the same time, that's not really a good completion rating for throwing deep like that. But uh, as I said, you know, you mostly if you, if you have a good uh, deep pass, you're, you're probably 50% or more. Um, but we don't know if that's inaccurate throws, 50-50 balls. Uh, you, you take it for what you will. It's a food for thought stat there. Now, throws in the 10 to 19-yard range, he's 8 for 12. He has, actually has a good completion rating there, 66.7% for 166 yards and one touchdown. Throws 0 to 9 yards, he's 36 for 45. Completion rating 80%, which is yeah, it's pretty good. There, it's, throws from 0 to 9, you should have a pretty good completion rating. I'm not going to lie, so... Uh, 341 total yards there in one touchdown. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a breakdown there on Hendon Hooker, as I said. Probably one of the most consistent quarterbacks I've looked at statistically so far. Uh, as far as opponents, I haven't really delved right, you know, maybe completely into, uh, you know, the most consistent quarterbacks in the nation. But he ha he definitely is and probably has to be at least one of them. I don't even think... Um, Bryce Young's statistics so far this year looks like that. So uh, just a food for thought thing. So my keys to victory is 
run the damn ball. <laughs> no, really, I, I think Florida can run the ball effectively against Tennessee. They're going to be challenged, though, obviously, of course. Uh, I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the game, as, as Seth and me assume, they were probably will try to stack the box. But is this where you you know maybe do a play action and, and catch them off guard, maybe a flea flicker or something like that? Uh, <laughs> Uh, who knows, man? Uh, I'm, I'm not an I'm not an OC. I'm not a quarterback coach. I'm not a head coach. So uh, you take that one for what you will. Uh, I'm pretty sure Florida is still going to try to start out the game running the football. But if if Florida is successful and really successful in running the football, it gives them a chance to get that Tennessee offense off the field. Uh, and and obviously, you know that that second half they're going to have a receiver back. Uh, I'm not sh- as as far as a you know Tillman being day to day. I'm sure they're going to try to trot him out there anyway if he's the least bit healthy, uh, since it is a big game there. So if, if I'm Florida, I'm definitely trying to take my advantages at least in the backfield and and, and with them missing a player, maybe even two if Tillman doesn't play. It, it really take it to him that first half. But yeah, I want to see more consistency in the second half because we haven't seen that at all. Florida, I don't know what happens to him after halftime, but looking up the stats from the first, second, third, and fourth quarter scoring, Florida so far this year has scored zero points in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, they scored 7.3. If you can change that third quarter to at least five points on average, you're probably talking a pretty consistent offense, pretty consistently coming out of the gate there as well and winning a lot more football games. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to see more offense coming out of the tunnel. Obviously, I want to see the defense play a little bit better coming out of the tunnel as too. Uh, let's be honest. I want to see the defense play well the whole game, but uh, obviously we, we can't be going like three and outs and not scoring any points and giving the football to the other team because that's just going to wear down your defense, especially against an offense that's scoring like this. So uh, yeah, Florida's going to have to do something on offense. But, you know, we'll see if Florida can reach into some bag of tricks here. And uh, maybe it'll be an even better game. Maybe it'll be like the Utah game where we can nickel and dime it down the field, get some first downs, get a score, keep Tennessee's offense off the field. And hopefully it'll be a lot closer game than what a lot of people think. And hopefully we come out of there with the victory. So I took to Twitter and I asked, what are your thoughts on Saturday's game in Nealing Stadium? I said, I'll read some of the comments on the podcast, which is what I do <laughs> every single week. I got a lot of comments here, a ton of comments. So I'm going to pick just from a select few here. This one's from GatorFan underscore actual. So I guess that means actual GatorFan. <laughs> uh, UT, Tennessee, only team with winning record. They played Pitt two and one. Two MAC teams combined two and four. I think they're flying high on huge numbers, but the pick game, you know, with the quarterback out early came down to the fourth quarter. So I like our chances if we can run the ball and burn clock. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios where you can look at Florida and say, oh, man, this hasn't went their way and maybe they're going to get smoked on this. And then you look at Florida and you're saying, oh, well, there's this scenario. And now Florida is probably there's just so many like strengths and weaknesses to both teams and so many different scenarios and how numbers can be skewed from two games. And it's just it's one of those games where it's like pick your weakness and see <laughs> who can win. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, Tennessee, their weakness is stopping a run and uh, giving up a lot of passing yards. And we can do that, too. But on the other hand, if you're Tennessee, you're like, well, they, they allow teams to rush 300 yards. Maybe we should start running the football with Hendon Hooker and a couple running backs, too and then take the top off on them in the backfield because our backfield coverage has actually been pretty good. So, uh, you know, 
you can look at it both ways. And I think that's what makes this matchup like, you know, I picked Tennessee just based on the fact of their more consistent play and the fact that, you know, there, there's we don't have a, a lot of consistent play. So I pick them just based on that. But there's just so many things that Florida could take advantage of on Tennessee and vice versa, too. So I'm just hoping that we can get more consistent play, not turn the football over. And I think, you know, obviously, we've got to be able to run the ball, too. But I think we'll come out of there actually with a victory. But as I said, it, it just depends on uh, how the team plays and, and, and whether they turn the, ball, the, eh, the football over or not. This one's from one of my longtime listeners, Christopher Dyer here. I believe we won't be able to slow their offense enough regardless of which offense for us shows up. My heart can tell you ways that we can win, but my eyes and mind see things differently. I kind of feel the same way. I feel we're too young and our areas of concern before the season started now very obvious. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't look good on film. Um, and, you know, they said Ventral Miller's questionable. I don't think he plays this game. And if I'm a Florida Gator fan, I would just automatically assume he's not just to not get my hopes up. Uh, but yeah, as I said, uh, it, it, the eye test, you could look at it, look at the two of the both teams and already know that Tennessee's the more consistent team than Florida. You look at it statistical wise, you break down some things and you say, well, if Florida has the good game, <laughs> they can take advantage of this, this and this. So you got to kind of look at it both ways. As I said, I picked Tennessee to win this game. Uh, I said 38 to 20, but it's not because I don't think Florida can win this game. It's just I haven't seen enough from Florida. I haven't seen enough consistent play. Now, if they put a consistent game together, they don't turn the football over, it could be a lot closer. Florida could actually escape Baylor Stadium with a victory. Now, and, and we don't even factor in turnovers. Uh, what if Tennessee has another fumble with a running back? What if um, we pressure Hooker, which, you know, he's, he's been pressured quite a bit. What if we, you know, get a sack on him or he forces a ball before he gets sacked and it gets picked off? We don't know. We Like, you, you always make a prediction based on what you've seen. Because you don't know what the turnovers are going to look like. Now, if you look at Florida compared to Tennessee, you're probably thinking, as, as an outsider, Florida's probably going to turn the football over. But if you're careful with the football, you don't turn it over, you don't fumble the ball, you don't try to you know, force things and, and you know, try to make a quick one read to a linebacker that's just sitting there to get a pick six, then maybe you got a chance. So I, I think if Richardson plays a little bit more carefully, if he he makes a read and, and he just doesn't see that he has anybody there, take off with the football. Just run it. And you can get the W today when you go to manscaped.com and use promo code SWAMP20 when you purchase your performance package 4.0 from manscaped.com. I'm telling you, the performance package 4.0, it's worked wonders for me in that vicinity down there. And it can help you too when you go to manscaped.com and use promo code SWAMP20 to save 20% and get free shipping when you order the Performance Package 4.0 or any other product from Manscaped.com. I'm actually wearing the boxer briefs right now. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not just sitting here in my boxers recording this, folks. I'm, I'm wearing it with my outfit, but I'm telling you, they're very comfy. They offer some of the best ball support. So take care of your balls this fall at Manscaped.com and take care of your wild hairs when you use promo code SWAMP20 so your boy David Soderquist could hook you up with 20% plus free shipping from Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, the ultimate best in men's grooming. Ready, You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. 
All right, that was just some of the questions and uh, comments that you guys had uh, sent me there. Actually, there was no questions. It was just comments. I don't know what I'm thinking. My brain isn't working here on a Wednesday night. But, hey, man, uh, you know, I know a lot of uh, Florida Gator fans, they're worried about going into Nayland Stadium, 100,000 screaming fans in there. You know, Anthony Richardson's comment saying he's a little shook, you know, that, that, that you know, after Kentucky and you know, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, what happens when you go away when there's 100,000 fans screaming every single play when you snap the ball? But we're going to find out Saturday what happens in Nayland Stadium. But I can't necessarily say as a Florida Gator fan that you should feel completely terrible about this game because, I mean, there's there's keys to win this game. I mean, as I said, play more consistently. Don't turn over the football. Uh, you can already – I'm pretty sure Florida's going to be able to run the ball effectively. Now, if uh, I don't want to say that because I always jinx things, so – I'm hoping that they can run the ball effectively, but just thinking about it, I, I think that they can. Uh, you, you run the ball, you keep their offense off the field, and Richardson, just be careful with the football. And and I think this game could be a lot closer than what people think. Um, you know, as I said, Tennessee, they're they're fumbling the ball a lot running. Um, they, they don't really turn the ball over, though. They get a good quarterback. So I, I think there's just advantages that you can take, but there's also advantages that Tennessee can think. So Florida's going to be on their heels. They're going to have to play some good defense. You know, and, and, and I say this too, Florida is going to have to at least get some third down conversions. Like they, they can't go three and out all the time. I mean, can you really blame the defense for giving up a lot of yardage when the offense is going constantly three and out. Well, sure, I guess at the beginning of the game, second quarter, you know, third and fourth, I want to see more of a faster start coming out of halftime because that seems to be where Florida's lacked in a weakness. I know me and Dave Waters, we talked about the third quarter points and just nothing happening in the third quarter for the Florida Gators. Uh, I want to see a faster start coming out of halftime. Now, if Florida gets off to a fast start in the first half, then we're talking some business here. Now, if Florida goes down by a touchdown, I'm not too concerned. But if they go down by two touchdowns, then I start to get concerned a little bit, especially against this Tennessee offense. Uh, let's just hope it doesn't happen, man. Uh, we'll, we'll see there. A 3.30 CBS game, college game day will be there. And uh, I'm pretty sure all the guys on the panel are going to pick Tennessee. And I hope they do because I hope that drives Florida to want to win that football game and break the hearts of everybody in Nayland Stadium. And hopefully that does happen because that'll be a good birthday for me since my birthday's on the 25th. It'll be Sunday, so it'll be good something good to wake up to. But I will be doing some festivities Saturday night, the September the 24th. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch all of that game because I got a lot of things going on that Saturday plus my birthday. Uh, but I'll be looking down at my phone, hopefully being able to smile. And then when I get back home, I can watch the highlights of the game and uh, have me a good birthday wish because I did wish and Tennessee lost this game, so there you go. Now, I will say, I do jinx things, but my birthday wishes usually always come true. So, folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. And as, as I said, thank you for sending in all the questions and comments. I, I get a lot of questions from a lot of people, DMs, and that's cool. I'll, I'll take those. I, I try to answer those the best that I can. You know, I'm not the biggest expert that there is out there, but, uh, you know, I know a little bit of one or two things about football as well, as long as Seth Varnador does too, as well. Um, a special shout out to him for coming back onto this podcast. He's really knowledgeable, as I said, in the game. And uh, he'll be doing, as he, as he said, uh, Tennessee breakdown there Friday night. So if you're really interested in uh, learning more about Tennessee, maybe where we can take advantage of some things technicality and coaching-wise, head on over to his uh, YouTube channel 
as he said earlier in this podcast. And check it out, man. It, it's actually worth a download and all that. I've already subscribed to him, man. So anytime that uh, you know, he releases a new video, I get an alert about it on YouTube. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.